0: How long can the average person last without food right how long can the average person last without water and yet when we're low in energy we go straight for the caffeine induced coffees and red Bulls and food but the reality is we can last weeks maybe even months without food we can last days without water but we can literally only last three four five minutes six minutes if you like, right without the breath and so most people are not breathing well, even though they're listening to this, they go, I've been breathing my entire life, they tend not to be breathing that well.
1: Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development.
0: Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more
1: fulfilling, happier and healthier life. So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is going to be for you.
0: We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax and let's begin our journey together
1: on the Mindful Past podcast. Harry, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you again. I'm coming to you yeah. from sunny France. Sun is streaming in from uh, the window. My, my family are planning a massive meal, got friends with us as well. So uh, good to find a little bit of a moment in the day to connect. How you been?
0: Uh, I, I, I've been good. Um, I've been um, not not as extravagant as going away uh, this last week, but I've been doing a few meetups with uh, the Mind Valley people over the last week, which has been quite good. Three meetups in a week. Um, well,
1: that's good for you on the social side.
0: Yeah, very good. Yeah. And actually yesterday was interesting because I really didn't really want to go. I was like, oh, you know, I've got to go into South Kensington and and I just said, you know what? I need to do these things, right? I'm just gonna download something to my phone so I can watch something on the on the tube and just get on with it. And actually, you know, it was fine, it was really nice and it was really good to catch up with people. And I was like, I need to make more of an effort to do the social stuff. Uh had some friends over on Saturday night, they're now flown back to Austin, Texas, which is where they moved to five years ago, like my yes. pretty much my best mate from um, school. But actually, it was interesting, Um this might be the subject of what we talk about. So I was talking, speaking with his wife, uh, Nisha, and she's been getting, like last year, we started getting talking about various things. She's um, a bit like you, actually, in a way. Uh, you know, we said that last time, a couple of times ago, we said how... how your course thoughts... like last five years you've been getting into the coaching books and the Michael Neals and all yeah. of this and similar books to what the debates are probably less frequent now because we come from similar angles. And and she's also started reading Probably about a year or two ago on different health things. And she's and she's always asking me, Oh, have you read this book? And have you read this book? And I'm like, Yeah, 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 I've read it. And so last year she was talking about this book that is a really good book actually about breathing, right? Called Breath by James Nestor. Not the one that you, you I know are reading as well. Uh or have read I'm reading, The Oxygen yeah. I'm, Advantage by Patrick
1: McCown. Patrick McCown, yeah.
0: Yeah, Patrick McCown, uh, which I've read as well, which I really like. And it comes to it from a different approach. The the breath one by James Nestor is a really good one to read as well. It doesn't really go into too much in the technique, but it it really outlines how people are making such a mess of their lives through breathing. And I, I have personal experience with this because, um, as you know, I changed my diet maybe you know, like 15 years ago, but the catalyst for it originally was was stopping eating dairy because I realized after being told by my sister that dairy can be quite mucus forming and I had sinus issues my entire life and I always had trouble like breathing through my nose and especially doing things like sports or running or anything like that and I found it a real struggle and then when I changed and got rid of dairy it relieved about 80% of my sinus issues and then the other 20% came from from gluten really and a few other things and Yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about breathing because it's one of the ones that I talk about a lot in workshops I run, whether that's for stress reduction, for nerves, but also for energy, for focus, for productivity. And what people don't really, when I talk about energy and vitality, as you know, that's really what I talk about. I often say to people, how long can the average person last without food, right? How long can the average person last without water? And yet when we're low in energy, we go straight for the caffeine induced coffees and Red Bulls and food. But the reality is we can only we can last weeks, maybe even months without food. We can last days without water, but we can literally only last three, four, five minutes, six minutes, if you're yeah. right, without the breath. And so most people are not breathing well, even though they're listening to this, they go, I've been breathing my entire life. They tend not to be breathing that well so i thought it'd be quite useful to talk about that and also um some of the stuff that um my friend um has started to got, get her husband to do which uh would be quite interesting for some of the listeners i think you might have heard of it before but we'll talk about it in a second um, yeah no so sure how do you talk about, about that and i think it's Excellent. relevant to you as well because of your exercise and breathing is super important
1: Sounds good to me. i want mean, you said, I've been reading the Oxygen Advantage. It certainly opened up my eyes to a few things I uh, I didn't know before. Um, something uh-huh. that, yeah, that I've been quite pleased about. I mean, you, you raised the point there about how we often think about nutrition, sleep, and, and other areas of our life, but not not breathing. Mm-hmm. And that's something we have to do to live, and we die much quicker without it. And and people think because we do it automatically with our subconscious that we don't need to optimize it. But actually, habitual habits massively impact the way that we breathe and yes. what, and he goes through as you'll know some simple things to test this but um you know we were we were designed to breathe more nasally but many most of us breathe through our mouths and that's due to habit. Um what I really loved actually which which hit home i have never I never I guess thought sat, took a step back to think about the term to think about anything different. But he talks there's a whole chapter about taking a deep breath. Now most people when you hmm. say what does a deep breath mean to you people automatically think and he said, yeah, "That's that's can't... taking might be a large breath or something. It's not. Well, a... People listening might not be able to see what you just did, but you're
0: effectively like gulping through the mouth, pulling your shoulders back, puffing your chest up, taking this giant thing. And I say that is a shallow breath.
1: Was that? Yeah, it's taking <laughs> as much air in as as we think is possible, right? But the reality is a deep breath. And he he breaks it down and talks about depth actually being from the top down.
0: So Absolutely, depth, like a swimming
1: pool. Yeah, deep and deep it's, it's down. We've slow that you know we've slowly westernized that term to think deep means big. Of course, it doesn't. It means breathing from the bottom of our the you know the pits of our stomachs really, and all the way up to our diaphragm, all the way into- yeah. And of course, you can only do that. And it's a really good test. I mentioned that because you you know a lot more about the science. And I do. I haven't been more researched on this. But a couple of things I've taken away from the book and from the studies. I'm going on to do the practitioner course to become an Oxygen Advantage uh, practitioner as well. So uh, you know, I'm in that journey, but I'm not not quite as skilled as you are in terms of the knowledge. But something that was really interesting is if you want to take a deep breath, I mean a real deep breath, a breath from low down in your body, you physically can't do it if you breathe in through the mouth. And actually if you want to test this, anyone listening to this now can put a hand on their tummy and a hand on their chest and they breathe in through their nose, you'll feel the air fill your your, your abdomen and your, and your lower down. And when you breathe through your mouth, you feel it fill your chest. And I thought it was really interesting and that really was it hit home to me then. It's like when you breathe, actually, A, I'm definitely one of these people that – Thought taking a deep breath meant taking the, the biggest amount of oxygen as possible, which actually can be mm. more harmful than good in terms of the way the system works, in in, in terms yeah. of optimizing itself. And I never knew that when you breath, breathe through your nose rather than your mouth, that the oxygen entered, uh, you know, came in a different way, and it feels different in the system, and it it's yeah. a whole different experience. So all it all comes and goes from the same place. It doesn't, and that was well, really the
0: the, na- the nose has got like. Four-stage filtration system. Anyway, the mouth hasn't, so you're more likely to get um, various illnesses in your throat. You you also use up way more water in your in your system when you breathe through your mouth. You activate your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight response when you breathe through your mouth. Whereas you activate both your vagus nerve, which is the wandering nerve that 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 touches every organ of your body, and stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. So when you breathe through your nose, you're activating your rest and digest part of your autonomic nervous system and breathing through the nose like you've mentioned automatically tends to facilitate diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing True. yeah uh, where breathing through the mouth doesn't and i i've been banging on my nieces for years and years um to to focus on breathing through the, the nose because actually more as more science comes out it, it's looking evident uh, from what i've seen from various on the ball orthodontists and dentists that when you breathe through your Mouth, you change the shape of your jaw growing up. So when you're like five, six, seven years old, and you start breathing through your mouth, typically as as babies we breathe through the nose. But like when you breathe through the mouth, it narrows your jawline and actually it crowds your teeth. And that's actually maybe a big cause of why some people need braces because their jaws have narrowed because they're actually changing the structure of their their face. And the book by James Nestor, which goes into way more detail on this and he runs some experiments like with mouth breathing for a month or something like that and blocking yeah. up his nose and and all the things that happen it is crazy the amount of things that just nasal breathing will do for you
1: also uh, heats up the air doesn't it if it heats up the, the the air that we're breathing if you breathe through the nose as well very quickly you can get up to to you know i mean that's one
0: aspect, aspect. Yeah, yeah one aspect
1: and of, if i say to people take a complete
0: breath then I'm saying it's, it's belly. And when you say belly, I don't mean just out of the belly, forward, I mean, round 360, around the side. Belly, and I normally say it's belly, chest, back, ribs. So you, you go breathe into the belly, then it'll be the chest, the back, the ribs. That would be a 360 breath. But what most people need to do is deep breathing the whole time. But as Patrick McGuin says, a lot of people are over breathing. Right. What you need to do is breathe Deeply
1: but lightly. But deeply so it's a light breath. And that's low, not not large. That's the thing we need to understand. And most yes, people will feel deep go, means, if they think of deep breath.
0: I always say think think like a swimming pool, right? The deep end of a swimming pool. It's it goes deep down, right? You know that you can't touch the floor. So deep means deep like a swimming pool. So you go deep, but you don't over breathe. You don't the belly will move, but it doesn't have to fill up every aspect of your, your being. And most people tend to breathe. They say this is the average rate and they say this is the healthy rate it's not necessarily the, the good rate but 12 to 20 breaths a minute that is actually way faster than you really should be breathing it's around five to six breaths a minute is what we should be breathing generally speaking most people and I, overnight i know i breathe about 13 breaths a minute because my aura ring tells me it's about 13 breaths a minute uh but generally most science will show five and a half to six breaths a minute is is kind of what you're looking at what you want to be doing um but the thing that interested me on the weekend so a couple of things happened on the weekend so I went to a boxing class and I was with this older guy and I was I was it was his first class and so I was giving him some tips and some advice and really I was I was focusing mostly on how he was breathing when he was doing that And, and once he switched into gear and, and, and took my advice on the, on the breathing and how to do the breathing properly. Suddenly, his, his form got better, his punching got better. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I got paired up with you because you're like, giving me all these coaching and tips. And then in the evening, and this is what, I, what prompted a little bit of a uh, call today. Um, so I was chatting to my friend's wife and she was talking about how um, she's got her husband to do this thing now which has helped him with his something that a friend of mine his wife texted me about, you know, Ben's snoring is out of control, etc. And I said to her, look, do this thing, right? I've been doing this on and off for five, six years and it helps with snoring, but it not only does it help with snoring, it helps with Keeping you more hydrated overnight, it gives you more energy in the morning, it, it activates more of your parasympathetic nervous system when you're sleeping and you and you'll feel more relaxed when you wake up. And it's simply this: it's um what we call mouth taping. I don't know, is it that something you're familiar with, Nick? Mouth it
1: is, because he talks about it in the oxygen advantage and uh oh, yeah, he talks about it yeah. in there, doesn't he? He, he does, yeah. He, yeah tape, he says go for sort of three months at a time until it becomes you don't, eventually don't need it anymore. And it's quite you know, difficult I, to get used to it at the start, I think he says, because most of us are so used to breathing through our mouths. And, yeah. you know, you know there's, there's a saying, isn't there, that, oh, you've been catching flies. And that's often when people are leaning back with their mouths wide yeah. open. And, I uh, mean, that
0: way. you know, I don't need to use it so much anymore because I, I tend to be a nose breather overnight. But for those listening who are wondering what the hell's going on, uh, firstly, don't do what I did when I first started doing it, which is effectively taking a big bit of tape and taping it right across my mouth like I've been <laughs> kidnapped. Um, all you need to do is, you know, you get those. I think they're like three M surgical tapes that you That's get, right. and they're they're literally the thinnest ones you get, like the the finger finger width. Just take about a centimeter of that, and you if you think of like a, a Charlie Chaplin moustache, but instead of placing it under your nose, you place it over your two lips. You only need enough that it forces your subconscious to then keep your mouth closed. You can still open your mouth in an emergency. You can still actually breathe through the side of your mouth if you wanted to but when you sleep you then notice oh if you keep waking up it's because you're you're subconsciously you're being woken up because you're trying to breathe through your mouth after a few weeks or months you'll start to become a nasal breather and you'll start to actually recognize loads of benefits when you wake up in the morning from not being so dehydrated to having more energy having more focus being more relaxed and so on and so it's interesting because she bought him the special tape. They've also paid like money to do some special tape where, where it's almost like you're wearing lipstick and there's like a, little, a weird little hole. Yeah. And yeah. he was telling me the story about how he put that on one day is his son who'd gone to bed got up, and came down. It's like, it looks like he's wearing this gimp mask or something. But you don't wait, need to go for a little no. bit.
1: Of... As I was waiting for you to say the word give mask, it's it. in my head. Yeah. So my signals really oh, cool.
0: oh Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It's a bit of like parents. Look, I'm not telling you to take your kids up overnight either. But what I am saying is you, you could start incorporating some of that in the daytime. So when you're going for like a walk with your children, trying to get them to, to maybe walk with their mouth closed, or um, in fact, I saw a picture the other day of a tennis tennis pro with mouth taping as she was training. What I tend to do when I was at spin class today is I I aim to do the entire session just no nose breathing. That means also on the exhale, I'm breathing out through the nose, not the mouth. Because actually, what you do want is a bit of carbon dioxide tolerance in your body. So uh, I think Patrick McGuinn talks about carbon dioxide. and he no, gets-
1: talks about it a lot. Actually, it talks about oh, it a lot. Yeah,
0: he wanted to call the book the Carbon Dioxide Advantage, but he thought no one would buy it, so he called it the Oxygen Advantage. But really, the book's about carbon dioxide. And I have a metaphor for listeners to understand this. So most people try and focus on blood oxygen saturation, right? You know those SpO meters that you can get. The reality is, it's a bit pointless as a measure. And the reason I say that is because getting blood into the in uh, getting oxygen into the blood is one thing but that's not where it needs to be it needs to get into the cells and so the way I analogize it is if you imagine the city of London as being your body and let's say we're in a car and there's all these cars driving around London and we are passengers in that car so the passengers in my metaphor are the ox- is the oxygen and the cars are the blood cells now the blood cells are transporting this oxygen around and let's say we've got a car of four people and we want to get into um, the cinema and there's a big queue to get into the cinema and there's only one ticket person selling tickets we might not get in or we might just go to another cinema but if that cinema had five or ten ticket sellers everyone would be able to get in no problem. So effectively, in this analogy, carbon dioxide is the cinema ticket seller. And you want carbon dioxide because it allows the passengers, i.e. the oxygen, to get into the cell, i.e. the cinema. And so if you don't have carbon dioxide, you don't get that, that, that oxygen into the cells where it's needed. And so the more you breathe through your nose when you're training... And you build up that carbon dioxide uh, tolerance, you get more oxygen into the cells. And actually, what I've noticed is that I can hit my heart rate at, you know, 160, 170 for the whole time. I come off the bike after 45 minutes of spin. I'm not out of breath. I've been able to, to, to do the performance like better than most. And I'm not out of breath um and breathing through the nose builds up nitric oxide and a, a, a bunch of things that are going to be useful for i mean it, it,
1: patrick McCown says that the you know when we breathe the, the, because it's subconscious right it's, it's one of those things that our body does we can do it consciously of course which is the ability yeah. of holding our breath but it's also subconscious behavior so inhalation when we need to breathe it's triggered as the brain responds to what are the rising levels of co2 so that when we when we try and hold our breath we stop when the co2 levels you know, get too high and all our brain starts going, we need to breathe, need to breathe, need to breathe. We're in, you know, danger zone, danger zone, and we breathe. Of course, we can go beyond that. And if anyone's recently watched the Netflix series, Deep Breath, you'll realise there as well that, you know, people can hold their breath for like six minutes and more when they've been trained. But even then, we're going back to the deep breath thing. You don't see them take huge gulps of air. Actually, if anything, they exhale really quickly, almost hyperventilate to, to, to deplete themselves. And they take a pretty small breath. And they go under so which is another example i'm going off point here as to why you don't need to take a huge breath it's about taking a deep breath it's important yeah. what, what yeah. he talks about in the book is because the brain's responding to rising levels of co2 essentially if you're really sensitive to co2 which would be someone like you know most people who can't hold their breath for less than a minute for example they're going to be quite sent their brain's going to be sensitive to high co2 which means you're going to need to breathe harder you're going to need to breathe faster means you're going to need to your brain's going to be telling itself it needs to be oxygenate quicker so, of course, if you're saying, as you do, if we're able to maximize the efficiency of our breathing and actually train our brains to be able to handle rising levels of CO2 better, and you can do that through, and he talks in his book a lot about holding the breath exercises and the benefits of getting your body used to holding its breath so that you are less sensitive to CO2, then actually yeah. when you are exercising hard, you don't get the, the, you're not triggered as hard to need to breathe harder. You can breathe normally. You can breathe more relaxed because you're not being triggered by this low co2 levels which kind of links into what you were saying at the end of that kind of um well, not what bike um what do you call it uh, spin session you know you, you're you've trained your body to be less sensitive to co2 rising co2 levels perhaps than those around you uh it's yeah. really interesting science
0: and it also it means also like and, and i started like just incorporating that into my cycles here and there and and walks and things like that but at some point, like let's say you go for a run, you're going to get to the point where you're going to have to either exhale through the mouth or inhale and exhale through the mouth. And I say that's fine. Do that at the last possible stage. But as you, you will get a lower performance when you start nasal breathing for the first few weeks or months. And then as you start to get better with it, you're going to build up a better tolerance to it. And and you're going to excel where you, where you were before, which I, I think is really good. But um so one thing also i wanted to say something I've, I've forgotten what that was but i'll come back to it but what what also has jumped into my mind have you done your triathlon yet in france
1: i haven't it's this this weekend coming up it's on saturday
0: okay yeah. so what i wanted to ask you to do but it might be too late to do this now and um, when it comes to getting oxygen into the cells one way is that nasal breathing and, and getting that co2 yeah. The other thing is, and I've talked to you about this before, and I don't know whether you've actually um, taken these things or not, but cordyceps mushrooms, I know I've spoken to you about it before. You I have,
1: to, yeah, I haven't experimented with them pre-event yet, but you have talked about it before, but actually, probably many years ago, actually, you bought me brought these out. I, I need to, you
0: can to get some before Saturday, because of all the supplements, for for listeners, cordyceps mushrooms are a supplement, and they're the, one of the only two supplements that I think I've taken where you have a marked you notice it straight away. The other one is magnesium, right? When you take a magnesium bath, you notice you're you're like unconscious straight away. But cordyceps, the thing I noticed, the cordyceps have been shown to allow for up to 50% or more oxygen to get into the cells. And I noticed this when I was doing heavy training a few years ago, and I'd forgotten I was taking cordyceps and I was doing this training and I was just not getting gassed at all. Like a normal day when I didn't take the cordyceps, I was gassed. And then I I figured out afterwards because My friend had given me some cordyceps powder and I'd forgotten I was putting it into my smoothies. And so I'm really intrigued to know whether, and I stopped taking it because I was like, I'm not really a performance athlete. I don't really need to take it. Although now the mushrooms I use are a blend and some of it's got cordyceps in whether that would make a difference. So if you can find some before the weekend and then take it in the, in the days leading up and on the day, I would be really intrigued because you measure everything and you know, your body and your performance, um, whether you notice a difference. So I don't know if you can get some between now and then, but i will be intrigued to see if you um, if you notice a difference on cordyceps. Have
1: a look. You also get loads of different expos pushing their wares at these events. So it might be something selling some some kind of uh, thing too
0: late in the day to take it on the day I would try and see if you can get something for, like next day delivery on Amazon or or whatever and or just go to local pharmacy like local well,
1: interesting story there and a completely off point uh but <laughs> for anyone that does want to lose their, their their sense of well-being when they're on holiday uh just to, while we're just trying to keep it relevant uh, my daughter ordered uh some Lego to be delivered to France right so um she ordered it i can't remember her from before we left hoping it arrived before we before we went away but it didn't arrive in time but she really wanted to build it to keep her self-active and, and stuff when we we're out here's a bit of distraction and, and, and a bit of fun and whatever but for downtime anyway so she bought this lego for for seven quid i think it was secondhand lego so it was worth a bit more but seven pounds she for it anyway it arrived at the house um after we'd already left so i got a friend of mine to post it out to us and uh very kindly they did that they posted to our address in france uh the postage was 19 pounds so mm-hmm. nearly three times the value of the, what we paid for the item it arrived in france and when i got here there was a 31 because now now outside of the uh the eu of course That's 31 uh, euro import charge so for a seven pound item we spent 31 euros on import oh, tax, ridiculous. 19 quid on rear delivery so best part of 50 quid on uh on a uh, item worth seven quid so the, the <laughs> the, the, the story store. is if you need something in France now outside of the eu yes. wait till you get home don't don't redirect yes. it you pay a lot yeah. so
0: i would suggest maybe buy something from the local health group store if you can find um, one lo- um, I, we'll about- I wanted to talk about a moment ago actually um
1: but well, what and- do you think of that because i want to go back to you mentioned something about stats and there is a piece that was interesting in the book so it's it's not something that i'm able to to recall as if i'm an expert in this field but in um the Oxygen Advantage book. He talks a lot about hypoxia and mm-hmm. hypercapnia. So hypoxia is when you have a lack of oxygen in the body, and he goes into huge detail about what that means for athletes and so on. And then um, hypercapnia is when you have an excess amount of carbon dioxide in the body, and, and both can have serious impacts on performance, health, and so on. So you don't you, know, you don't really want either of those things because you know they can be risky and various health effects. However, training. In hypoxia so excess oxygen and training hypercapnia can actually really help improve endurance and ultimately increase the amount of oxygen in your body can use mm-hmm. protect your muscles help you get used to improving that that co2 elements we're talking about before but there was a study that um the university of um naga nagoya uh, no nagoya that's actually nagoya university in japan found that athletes who trained in both of those things Ended up with a significantly greater tolerance to carbon dioxide at rest than untrained individuals, and the study also sat, um, found that for the same amount of exercise, athletes experience up to sixty percent less breathlessness yeah. uh, than untrained people did. So that's yeah. that's pretty significant. That's not like a two yeah. percent advantage. That's no. and I think I can
0: attest to to that second part, of that statement where I, 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 you don't get breathless once you build up that tolerance after you do these 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 things. Um, so I think. Like what i like about the oxygen advantage is what he's talking about there predominantly is is your breathing throughout the day which is deep diaphragmatic light breaths not over breathing nasal breathing and that's predominantly what i try to teach people i mean i teach people effectively a a parasympathetic activating breath however I mean, there are so many types of breath work, but one that is very popular, which you, you've heard of, one that I practice now and then, uh, the Wim Hof style of breathing, which he yeah. effectively took a lot of yogic type breathing and a few other things and, and mixed it into one very simple strategy. Now, what he does though is on the breath hold, for example, it's on the exhale. A lot of people think, oh, I need to hold my breath on the inhale. Actually, A few things about the Wim Hof stuff. So effectively, you're taking like 30 deep breaths. He doesn't really care how you get it in, mouth, nose, whatever, just get it in. The reason he doesn't care is because the kind of breath work that he's doing is actually meant to induce a stressful state. Because what it's meant to do is then guide your body to be able to cope with stresses when they arise in daily life. And so you create, uh, what I normally say to people is, Wim Hof is like HIIT training or CrossFit. It's great, but your normal breathing is like you're walking in your movement. You need to be doing the the normal breathing all the time. And then, yeah, maybe once or twice a week, you're doing HIIT training or cross training. Same with the Wim Hof. You're doing maybe 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes every other day. And it's quite a stress-inducing breath. So you do three rounds of this stuff. The longest breath hold I've actually had with, with doing that, normally I average about two, two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes. But the longest has been about four minutes. And that's usually on the third round. And it really trains the body to cope with stress. And you you normally, after about 45 seconds to a minute, get that desire to breathe and that, um, I guess, mammalian response of like, oh, getting to yeah. a panic. I'm about to die. Yeah. You get past that and you just go into your feeling you just go into um what your body sense is like and then depending on what i've been doing beforehand and how i'm sitting and all that you know i'll go for two minutes two and a half three minutes three and a half something like that um so it's a, it's a good um, and it's a quite a nice app as well and they, you can find the, them on youtube as well if you don't want to pay for the app um so I, I do recommend looking into different types of breath work there's like rebirthing breath work um soma breath work which is one that someone i know um is doing very successfully Uh, what other kind of breath work there's so many different types of breath work but i guess the point i'm trying to make with people is you don't have to do all of that but what i would recommend is deep diaphragmatic light breaths and when you're feeling stressed or when you need focus and we've talked you've talked about your seven breaths strategy before i think i think it was seven breaths
1: um although that might change that might change now from me from getting into this because there were Mm. seven deep breaths and my understanding of deep breaths were large breaths not breathing for really but I'd be interested I haven't been in a state of stress to to test it but I think next time I do I, the, the seven might count but the way that I breathe might change yeah no definitely
0: change the way you breathe if you're if you've if you're you don't need to do that you just need to do the breath and also if you do want to relax actually sometimes the exhale through the mouth can work better than through the nose um, and actually an audible sound can work even better from a muscle relaxation when you're when you're doing the stretch for example and you breathe in uh, the other thing I normally say as well, if you're not currently doing it from a stress point of view, and the simplest way I can teach people this is exhale for longer than you inhale. So whatever number you count to in your head on the inhale, try and double it on the exhale. If you can't double it, you know, just add 20% or whatever. So if you count to four, try and count to six or eight on the exhale. That's
1: quite um, interesting. i tell you why I say that's interesting. So I've started some uh, pranic breathing um, exercises and meditations, actually. So sort what, of 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes a night. And uh, panic breathing, although you'll know more about it than I do because you're, you're more versed. But the what the patterns I'm following at the minute is kind of three in, hold for hold for, or either three and two or six and two, six and three. So, six in, for example, hold for three, six three. out, hold for three. Yeah. I find yeah, I find in for the nose, out for the mouth. So, I'll come in for six, hold for three, out for the mouth, and quite a you know, push it through the mouth and then hold for another three. But interestingly, I really struggle to um, to ex- to extend the out-breath. And you were talking about a moment ago, about holding your breath on the exhale, mm. not on the inhale. I find the inhale way, way easier. But actually trying to to elongate the out-breath is way... I'll
0: give, you a tip. I'll give you a tip for that in a second, Tom. Um So you need to think about your breath a bit like water coming out of a hose. And so what I say, if people are having trouble getting an extension on their exhale, is because they're they're effectively pushing the water out too quickly or they're so I would narrow your mouth a little bit and I would gently blow as if not like you're blowing out candles but you're I don't know just blowing sweet nothings to the person that you want to engage with bedroom activities with or something I don't know Um, whatever works for you but the point is you adjust the 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 pace and the, the the flow of your breath because that's then going to be getting to that point. Um, but it's good that you're doing sort of that. Um, there's also box breathing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with box breathing. That's effectively yeah, the same count um, in all in all ways. There's um I, I talk about this in the in the new book I'm releasing I give about six or seven different breath work techniques. But the reality is there are as many techniques as there are people on the planet. Um, and some will induce relaxation, some will induce like um an activation of your sympathetic nervous system. They all do different things um, and some are quite intense and can get you, you can actually get to a point of altered states of consciousness with breath work. You can get to a point where you you get to the same realms of consciousness as you do with plant medicines like ayahuasca and DMT and things like that. You can do that through the breath alone, which is quite fascinating. Uh, but again, I don't want this podcast episode to be going into the far reaches of breath work. But what I would say is for people who are not consciously aware, because like you say, it's it's something you can do unconsciously and consciously. And most people are not consciously aware of their breath. And it's one of the things that whenever I do my talks, I always think, oh, how can I be talking about this? Because surely people know this, or it's obvious, or it's so simple. It gets the biggest response. And I go to people years later and they go, that's the bit I remember about what you were talking about. So what I would say to people, and my mum really struggles with um, breathing through the belly and one thing I discovered with her that even though you said earlier, put a hand on your belly, hand on your chest and see how you're breathing. Um, for some people, they can't move the belly uh, because your muscles are into a certain way. So one in the first instance, it's like you're forcing the belly out. Um, so you have to activate the muscles. After a few months, it, you'll get easier. And I do say it can take months. It took me six to 12 months to start breathing into the belly unconsciously. But the easiest way to do it is actually to lie down. So if you lie down and put a hand on the belly, hand on the chest, it's somehow easier, or at least it is for my mum, to allow the breath to go. The other way that you can hack it a little bit is um, exhale and suck the belly in when you exhale. So the important thing is when you exhale, the belly comes back in, and when you inhale, the belly comes out. But sometimes it's easier, instead of starting from neutral and trying to go to an inhale, start from neutral and go to the exhale. So go to the extreme and the other way. And then it's easier for you to notice your belly rising and falling. And that's what I would suggest to people. And I wouldn't overdo it. I would just say, try and do one conscious belly breath a day. Then the following week, try and find an opportunity to do two and so on. And if you can do it at the same time, not the same time, at the same moment each time. So let's say, for example, you just turned off. I did this earlier today, actually. You just turned off your keys in the car instead of turning off your keys and jumping out, take one conscious breath there. So if all you do is every time you turn off your ignition in the car, every time you open the door to your front door, you take one conscious belly breath, and then later you decide another point to do a conscious belly breath. And eventually, after six months or more, you'll start to breathe breathe breathing unconsciously through the belly. That would be the main thing. And that will help with your focus, your energy, your productivity, your immune health, everything
1: couple of things yeah. I'll add on to that, especially if you're listening to this at the minute, try and take a mental note of how you're breathing at the moment. Just take a second. Are you breathing through your mouth? Are you breathing through your nose? And try then to raise awareness to that, which is what coaching is all about anyway, but sort of raising awareness about everything that we do. But try and raise awareness to what you're doing throughout the day. Then pick a moment. And, you know, when, when you're watching TV, when you're having a conversation, whatever it is, and just try and catch yourself. You know, are you breathing through your mouth or your nose? You may find that's what's been quite good for me. I've naturally discovered that I naturally breathe through my nose anyway most of the time which isn't true for everyone but it's been quite means i've had to do quite so much work so that's good however i'm also working through something called the bolt score i won't go into all of that now but essentially the bolt score is essentially uh, to work out what that is It's when you hold your breath how long does it take until your mind gives you any kind of trigger to say i need a breath that's so yeah. not how long you can hold your breath for in fact it's the opposite it's when you when you are holding your breath is what's the first time you think of anything to do with, Oh, I need to take a breath or the first rec- recognized sign of I'm holding my breath. What is that time on the clock? You want to try and most people for generally it's like five seconds, maybe five to 10 seconds. You want to try and get your bolt score to 20. So that's, and that's, you, you develop that skill by holding your breath and 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 doing some of the breath exercises that Harry's been talking about today. But I thought it was really interesting. I think also you mentioned you can hold your breath for like up to three and a half minutes. I mean, you're way longer than me. But to bring this into context for those listening, the average person can hold their breath for between 30 to 90 seconds. So you yeah. are holding it now and suddenly thinking, I'm really unfit or I'm really not very good at this because Harry can do three and a half minutes. That is not normal. Normal at the moment for most people is, I know you've got my comment but it's 30 to 90 seconds. But we can improve that with practice, like anything. And yeah. it's an idea of how long we can you can get to. I don't know if you knew, but in, in March 21, I was a 56-year-old free diver um, from Croatia. And he now holds the world record for the longest breath hold. Um apnea divers, which are known for their ability to perform long distance breath holds, um, is is is, is what he does. He's an apnea diver. His name's Budimir Sabat, and he clocked a remarkable and wait for it. Twenty four minutes. Twenty-four minutes, thirty-seven point yeah. three six seconds after. The um, it'll
0: come as no surprise, Nick, that his he's actually mentioned in the book that I'm releasing. There you go. You no, exactly. right. I had to update it because because he 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 taken the the record from Alexi, someone or other. Uh, but now this is the breath hold, state, that's 24 minutes. We had it for, for 22 breath. minutes, I think. But yeah, that's with oxygen. Uh, pre, but the longest breath hold without oxygen, I think, is about eight or nine minutes. But with oxygen, it is that. But um, yeah, uh, what I was going to say with um, me holding my breath for say three and a half four minutes. My first round. So I I normally do three rounds, but I remember the first time I did the Wim Hof stuff it was 40 seconds the first round by the third round it was pushing three minutes so I went in one 15 minute session because most people when they do the breath hold they they just hold their breath like they do it when they're kids and, and they yeah. and they do it that one time but actually when you do
1: three, it, I did this in the swimming pool yesterday with my kids because we had it in France. We had oh, a, like, don't
0: do any breath holding in the water is, is my, my caveat to
1: people. Well, well we, we did this. We did, we did a kid's Olympics. And one of, the, one of the Olympics things was how long can you hold your breath for? It's interesting. All of us did it. And every single one of us that did the experiment of how long can you hold a breath for came out and went, I could have gone for longer. Because you, you think, if you get that first reaction need to breathe, you come up and go, oh, it's not that bad. I could have gone longer. So it's interesting. You, you went longer quite quickly from, what, 40 seconds to three minutes. Well, because well, the thing is, when you do
0: the Wim Hof, what you're doing is that, that each round you're saturating your your blood more, but then the breath holding is also adding the CO2 in there. Yeah. So I think, like, the first round, yeah, you might do 40 then the second round you might end up doing a minute and a half third round you might end up surprising yourself and going for two minutes and that will happen in 15 minutes for a lot of people but i would follow along to there's a, some youtube videos on his channel and they have a beginner one which goes for like 30 seconds one minute one minute or something like that and a bit more advanced one if you don't want to get the app the app is free but there are paid barriers in it so you might get fed up with that so on the youtube you can do it. And I I do recommend do that. But I also stress do not do any breath holding in the water or near water, especially if you're by yourself, you may have been with other people, but I would, there are people who are, who are breathwork people who think they can do this stuff. And they've had tragic, tragic incidents doing Wim Hof things near water. So please do not do anything near water if you're doing breath holding.
1: Yeah, probably good to have that safety. And you know, we were just doing a little bit of fun uh, on our own. We weren't doing any Wim Hof stuff at the time. We were just having some fun in the pool. But, yeah. however, that's a good safety statement to make. And actually, that's why that, that links to the hyperventilation. So, you often see, you know, the, 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 the you'll see in, in, uh, deep, deep breath, I think it's called on Netflix, but they hyperventilate before they go under. And that's also just to get rid of all of the uh, carbon dioxide and it, it reduces the brain's, uh, response. So, it's, it, as you yeah. said, it's people can pass out from, from high. trains
0: the body like because when you're hyperventilating, what you're doing is you're training the body to say, I haven't got air, and then before they go in, they take that bigger breath. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've got air. And it and it, and it allows you. I remember doing that oh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when we were doing uh some swimming work and and being taught that to actually hyperventilate. You can pass
1: out just it. from hyperventilating. You can you can yeah. pass out. So again, yeah,
0: it's you, not you know, speaking, be that lightly. I, I recommend doing something like a Wim Hof, sitting on the couch, lying down, something like that. Um, but, you know, forget all the Wim Hof and the, the other stuff, which is, like I said, the HIIT training, the cross training and all of that. It's all about your daily breathing and breathing through the nose, maybe experimenting with mouth taping either during the day. If you're not brave enough to do it overnight, just to notice how much you're breathing through your mouth and um and like I say do not put a tape across your mouth like you're being um, abducted just (laughs) put a tiny little Charlie Chaplin size um like like almost like a like you know actually the stamps now we have to return all the stamps because they change stamps would probably be perfect if you've got any stamps that you've gone past that date you can't return them now use stamps because they'll be like the perfect size probably for you
1: yeah it's just a reminder isn't it but um it's supposed to be really, really, really good for reducing uh, snoring as well. So for those who've got partners... Yes, yeah, so,
0: so that's it. My my friend now doesn't snore. Um, my other friend who I spoke to yesterday, he goes, oh, actually, I've lost some weight now, so I'm not snoring so much, so she's not annoyed. But people who... And, and you'll know this because I've moaned to you many times. But when we used to our cycle trips, and I always used to get put with like one or two of these older guys who used to snore, I honestly think, and if they're listening, and if you're a snorer, I think if you're doing things like this where you're doing group activities you're going to have to stump up and pay for your own room. It's not fair for the other person, because especially (laughs) if you're doing 80 miles on the bike the next day and you don't get sleep and you're being irritated by this constant noise, it is so frustrating. And people who snore just don't appreciate it. So if you are a snorer, at least buy earplugs for other people. And really what you should be doing is, honestly, you should be paying for your own room so that people don't have to put up with it. And honestly, it might sound like I'm being a bit annoying saying that, like, you trust me just buy you, some
1: masking okay. tape right and, and try try the try the little uh little I will masking mask. tape them, but i'll I will mask and take them round and round and round because i'll <laughs> get so annoyed with
0: them <laughs> like, the only time i ever want to take someone's life is when i'm in a room with them snoring that's the only time yeah i'll know, be guilty of
1: putting you in with those room, roomies I, I think it's a little bit something i quite enjoy doing yeah, yeah. I'll, next I'll, summer if we
0: do it i need i need uh i need non-snorers or, i like
1: um, observing your response to the stress signals as i put you in those rooms and um, seeing how you handle it as a wellness expert, I think it's my right to put you in those positions.
0: No,
1: no, not at all. <laughs> so it was interesting in the book that I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. It was, it was something again, I hadn't considered. And I can't remember her name, so apologies. But Patrick McCown in the Oxygen Advantage, he talks about meeting um, the world Tai Chi champion, you know, the, the martial hmm. art. He said, when you get to that level, it's not about the movements because everyone is kind of of a similar level of in terms of what the, the way they move what they actually get to when it goes down to the finite detail of, of measuring who performs the best it's you have to be able to perform the movements without looking like you're breathing and he he meets this woman who's the world tai chi champion he says mm-hmm. you would never know she was breathing at all it was that calm that collected and that slow probably only what one two three four breaths a minute as you would say because she's that well versed in it and he said it was the most graceful thing he'd ever seen yeah all, all nasal or deep or yeah. graceful um
0: yeah actually i mean it's interesting just to i know we're finishing off just to add to that because in yoga classes what's quite interesting i'm i'm kind of contrary to most yoga teachers because a lot of yoga teachers they talk about this thing uh called your um oh got breath where you're breathing through the back of your throat like you're misting up a mirror but it's very audible and they always want you to hear everyone's breathing that actually um is not the case I, i'm not sure if i've read about it in patrick McGoon's book it might have been his or somewhere else's but it actually yogic breath really uh, historically was not audible to other people. And I say, if you're really, yeah, he
1: does like talk that, about that, he talks about that, yeah,
0: yeah, he does talk about it in there. And, and I, I mentioned this to other yoga teachers, and they're, they're, they're clueless with this. And so, actually, I tell people, look, if you want to do your dry breath, fine, but the reality is you don't want to be audible to other people. You need to have a light, deep breath. And you know, the dry breath has benefits for like heating up the body and a few other things, whatever. And I'm not against it. All the time, although as a speaker, I tend to be more against it because it, it mucks up the, the vocal chords a little bit, but it's a light breath, a light, deep, inaudible breath. And like you say, that Tai Chi woman breathing two, three breaths a minute. And there is a, an old saying is that your life ends, like you have a certain number of breaths that you take in, in life and your life ends at that point. So you probably do want to slow down your breath. And I think the optimal number is sort of five to six breaths a minute. Uh, from what I can remember from James Nestor's book uh, "Breath," which is an, another really good book to read, because
1: yeah, the oxygen like, advantage goes a little bit
0: to some people.
1: But I recommend yeah, James Nestor's. The oxygen advantage is very much focused on endurance performance. So unless you're doing endurance performance and track ons things like, that, it's probably not that re- as well ve- yeah. as relevant for you. Uh, but interestingly, talking about the um, the, the the silence bit, um, I reference that to to swimming. You know, if you're making loads of noise in the water, you're probably not that efficient. You want to try and glide and swim without Mm. making sound, or if you're going off a diving ball, right? Yeah, imagine the sound of the splash. I saw
0: someone uh, in the pool the other day.
1: Yeah, I saw someone in the
0: pool the other day, and I was, I, I, my eye just caught her. I was just walking to the change room, and my eye just was drawn to this woman, like kind of like middle-aged woman, but she was literally gliding. There was like it was, it was amazing. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone swim like that. It was just like this amazing glide through the water without any
1: kind of movement it was just yeah. weird and i was like your efficiency what? i love it it's so yeah, nice so efficiency. graceful to watch so great yeah. that's not yeah. me by the way i make an absolute <laughs> <rap>. <laughs> we,
0: we've established what you're like in the water so it's fine
1: yeah that's true that's true all right buddy well listen that that was good that was good i, I learned something from today's uh stuff from you as well as i always do with the breathing stuff so um yeah. i'm looking forward to diving deeper into the oxygen advantage i'm only sort of halfway through the course so um hopefully i'll be a little bit more uh... Oh, you're going to be way more than me i mean,
0: i read the book only and that was about six years ago i think it was now so you're you're well versed on it um,
1: i do recommend it though even if you're not into performance you know endurance stuff it's just yeah. a really interesting insight into the world of breath and as you say it should be treated with as much respect as food water and, and he's
0: been on lots of podcasts as well so you'll be able to find him on someone's podcast he's been interviewed yeah. on podcasts
1: yeah cool all right buddy well listen uh good to see you i will be back in france uh on our next call as well i thought my wife yeah. just walked into the room well, see call.
0: if you can get some cordyceps before your triathlon this weekend and let me know yeah. if that increases your performance
1: put it, put it in the chat so uh, I, I can make a link in the show notes and actually i don't know how to spell what you keep saying yes it's a hard
0: one to spell actually cordyceps
1: yeah and yeah. we can make sure our listeners can find it as well good stuff all right buddy. look after yourself and um we'll catch up uh, in a couple of weeks perfect take care buddy Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful
0: Past podcast with Midday Day and Harry Kalimnius.
1: We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a
0: review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable.
1: Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And in the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey.
0: Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.